first reading is found in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 15. Luke 2, beginning at verse 15. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from the book of Numbers, chapter 6, beginning at verse 22. And you'll find this on page 141 of the Church Bible. Numbers 6, verse 22. The priestly blessing... The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. It really is, I can tell you. I had this awful fear, having agreed to preach on New Year's Day, that I might be talking to myself. So it's so lovely that there are a few of us here to gather to God's Word. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that your written Word of Scripture may now and always be our rule. Your Holy Spirit, our teacher, and your greater glory, our supreme concern, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A few years ago, we discovered this leaflet. Some of you may even have seen it. It's called Poems in the Waiting Room, and that is exactly what it is. It's a series of poems for people to read while they're waiting for their doctor's or dentist's appointment. And from this one, one struck me very particularly, and I want to begin 
our thoughts this morning by reading it to you. And it's called, appropriately, The Benediction. The Lord be with you, the meter reader said as he left, his face black, young, radiant. I took the blessing. I took the blessing onto the bus, flying along the bus lane, looked around at the other passengers and knew that we were all forgiven. I took the blessing for a riverside walk beneath a sky of faultless blue. I took the blessing into the coffee shop where you were punctual and sober. The waitress frothed a, cart, a heart onto my cappuccino. Do you like your heart, she whispered as she passed our table. No trace of irony. For the very first time in a long time, a day held possibilities beyond itself. I took the blessing. And what a wonderful thought that is to take into this new year. With all its infinite possibilities, and as we're all too aware, incredibly great challenges. For as Esther has already made clear to us, blessing is what we're focusing on this morning. And we think about that lovely reading we've just had from number six. And these words will probably be very familiar to many people here, but perhaps not necessarily in the context in which they were originally spoken. And the book of Numbers, from which it comes, begins 13 months after the Exodus, after that time when the Israelites came out of Egypt, and it details the 38-year desert wanderings of the Israelites before they enter the Promised Land. And the English name Numbers comes from the very numerical lists that the book contains. But in the Hebrew, it is known as In the Desert, or The Lord Spoke, which sums up its main features. And it begins with detailed instructions on how the people are to be organised for their desert wanderings. And then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. For in that way, God would bless his people Israel. And he continues to bless his people in that way to this day. And traditionally, the priest blessed the people every morning after the sacrifice in the temple. And each priest would raise their hands with the palms facing downwards and the thumbs of the outstretched hands touching. And the four fingers of each hand are sometimes split into two sets of fingers each, thus forming the Hebrew word shin, an emblem for Shaddai, a name for God. And according to Jewish tradition, as they did so, the divine presence would shine through the fingers of the priests as they blessed the people. Isn't that such a lovely idea? 
And it's very important to note that the Lord does not command the priest to bless the people using their own words. But he provides the exact formulation for the blessing, prefacing the instructions with these words, this is how you are to bless, and ending with the words, so they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. For this highlights the fact that the blessing comes from the Lord himself, and the priests are but the means of transmitting his gracious will. And from the beginning, it is only God who through his covenant grace could bless the people. His first blessing was on Adam and Eve, then on Noah and his sons when they left the ark, and especially on Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And this was expanded from a specific individual when God taught Moses that the power to bless could now come through his appointed representatives, the ironic priesthood. And as we look at how they are to bless the people, we can see that the blessing is in three parts and is known as the three-in-one blessing. Each one contains two elements of benediction, and the verses in the Hebrew get progressively longer. The first has three words, the second five, and the third seven. And it has been suggested that this is because in Hebrew, three plus five is the number of grace, while seven marks completion. And the threefold repetition of the divine name Yahweh is for emphasis and to stress that to repeat something three times is to say that it is perfect. Under the terms of the Old Covenant, only the descendants of Aaron were able to convey the blessing of God to the people of God. But we live in the era of the new covenant when all followers of Jesus are made part of the chosen people to be, as 1 Peter 2 says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And ever since they were born, each of our three grandsons have had a special verse prayed over them at bedtime. And for the eldest, Max, it is this prayer. And what beautiful words to have prayed over him, daily by day. For since God is the only true blesser, it seems reasonable to assume that Jesus prayed the priestly blessing over his disciples. But he would have spoken it in the first person. I bless you and I keep you. What an awesome experience that must have been for those closest to him. So when these beautiful words are spoken, what is it that's being prayed for? For when God blesses, he is giving of his very best. 
to his first hearers, this blessing was identified with physical blessings, with children, crops, long life, and the assurance that God would be with them every step of their way on their journey to the promised land. But in reality, it goes well beyond that, as it involves every part of our being. And we shall see that the blessing is divided up into three couplets. The Lord bless you and keep you. For blessing is the positive side, which is balanced by God's keeping. This is not to do with God's good provision, but is guarding us from harm, for protection from the consequences of evil. And we can see from the Old Testament accounts how God sought to preserve his people in spite of their regular waywardness and disobedience. But through the words of the prophets, God sought to reassure his rebellious people that he only ever wanted the best for them, that he wanted to bless them and keep them. And he still does. His desire is to pour out the abundance of his goodness on us and for all those who trust him and take him at his word. There is his promise that in the end he will ensure our eternal safety. For as Paul says in Romans, we know that in all things God's works for the good of those who love him. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. There are some people who have such a warm and radiant smile that we say that it lights up a room. And when that smile is directed at us, it makes us feel really good and we glow within and we feel special. And just think then that the person smiling on you, for this is personal, that the person smiling on you is God himself who wants to reassure us of his love for us and his desire for his very best for us. In the way a parent loves a child, God longs to show how much he loves us. And this is why we can affirm that he will be gracious to us. He longs to pour out his grace, his undeserved favour on us. And it's such a lovely picture. The thought of God's face lighting up with a smile as he thinks about each one of us. Of him looking at us with the kind of love and grace that we've never fully experienced before we should want to prompt us to throw ourselves into his arms and abandon ourselves to his awesome love for us. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. For the Hebrew, to say you were turning your face towards someone meant you were giving them their full attention. 
Therefore, what we're saying here is that God is giving us his full attention. He is saying to each one of us, you matter. He loves you. He smiles on you. He pays attention to you. And he wants the very best for you. In fact, God cares so much that he wants to give us his peace, his shalom, which has a much deeper meaning than our word peace. For us, it could mean an absence from conflict or just an absence from noise. Ooh, what I really want is a bit of peace and quiet. But God's shalom signifies complete well-being of body, mind and spirit. It is about being as God originally intended us to be. And it is what Jesus meant when he told his listeners that he'd come to bring them life, life in all its fullness. And to stress how serious God was about this, Jesus died on the cross to make this peace a reality. We began with those words from the poem, I took the blessing. And when we think about it, we realise that those words could be understood in two different ways. I took the blessing means I received it. Or I took the blessing means that I took it out to share with others. And that's the right order, the order it needs to be in. Because before we can bless others, we first need to take the time to receive God's blessing. To so soak it up that it becomes part of us. And the blessings of God are spiritual. As God's idea of a successful life is different to ours. God is more concerned with our character than with our comfort. And sometimes he allows us to experience difficulties to build that character up. God looks at what we are, not what we have. And our greatest blessing as we seek to be a blessing to others is that we live in New Testament days. In the ironic blessing, the name of God is said three times to denote perfection. Now through Jesus, God has been revealed as the Trinity, as Paul spells out in the familiar blessing at the end of 2 Corinthians. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And this truth, this Trinitarian truth, can only be fully known for our experience by knowing firsthand the grace, the love, and the fellowship that flow freely from the three persons of the one Lord God. In the I newspaper this week, 
there was a very encouraging article entitled, Breathing Life into Britain's Churches, highlighting the level of engagement in their communities which are increasingly becoming the norm. Not, as Esther was saying right at the beginning, as built on extras, but as part of our overall worship, simultaneously loving God and loving our neighbour. It is no longer acceptable to say, believe me because of who I am, or believe me because of what I say, but rather, believe me because of what I do. For as Jesus once said, it is by their fruits you shall know them. For us to bless others, our lives need to have a Christ-like authenticity rooted in his peace, his shalom. And it is this that our world needs so desperately. So as we come very shortly to our communion, let us receive afresh the blessings that God seeks to pour upon us through the death and sacrifice of Jesus and then determine to take that blessing out with us into this new year to the people and situations with which God will bring us into contact. So that when we look back, we will be able to say, in both senses of its meaning, I took the blessing. So as we come to receive together the gifts of bread and wine, let us share with one another a sign of God's peace a sign of that shalom. So can we all please stand? The peace 